Hello, and thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha, and this week we are talking about Be Kind Rewind. Today we're talking about Be Kind Rewind, the 2008 film written and directed by Michelle Gondry, starring Mos Def, Jack Black, Danny Glover, and Mia Farrow. Is that a lady? Mia Farrow is a lady. No, I mean the director. Oh, no, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is a French man named Michel. Oh. And uh, yeah, the movie is in a nutshell about two friends played by Jack Black and Mos Def who live in a small town in New Jersey and accidentally erase all the VHS tapes in the local video store where Mos Def works. In order to replace them and also raise enough money to save the video store from a classic closing down plotline, they basically decide to remake all the movies on an absolute zero budget dime themselves, coining the term sweeting. When you're walking down the street yeah. and you see a little ghost, what? What you gonna do about Ghostbusters? What? What? What is that? That's the Ghostbusters theme song. No. I'm pretty sure it is. So as mentioned, this is both written and directed by Michel Gondry. He's a French director who basically became famous in the U.S. mainly from his music videos. He's kind of like an acclaimed music video director. But he also really struck it big with his directing of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And he co-wrote that movie also. But he wrote that with the great Charlie Kaufman, who has made a million great movies. Um, and so this is actually his first feature that he's ever done entirely on his own. He did one called Human Nature that Charlie Kaufman wrote, and then Eternal Sunshine also with Charlie Kaufman. So this is kind of the first time he's branching out on his own, doing a full feature, non-music video, kind of writing and directing all on his own. Back in 08 when this came out, I remember I was crazy hyped to see this movie. Missed it in theaters because I'm pretty sure it was a minimal release or something. It definitely didn't come to my little small town in Long Island when, mm-hmm. when, because uh, I just remember I would have definitely been there. So I had to wait until it came on DVD. Probably rented it from Netflix if I remember. Do you think that's because you like the idea of the movie or because you really like Most Deaf? It was everything. It was Love Most Deaf, one of my favorite hip hop artists. I like Jack Black a lot. You know, it was a couple of years after School of Rock. His, his stock was pretty high, you know, in yes. the comedy game. School of Rock was fantastic. Yeah, he's awesome. Fucking love Mos Def. He's one of my favorite rappers. And honestly, one of my favorite rappers turned actors. Like, anytime he shows up in something, he commits. Like, like I, I'll, I'll get into it a little when we get into the movie. But yeah, I'm, he's just always a pleasant surprise. <laughs> cool. Yeah, Jack Black. I mean, his comedy stock was pretty high in 08. Like, you know, he... You know, School of Rock wasn't too far away. Classic. Um, he just done Peter Jackson's King Kong, which wasn't a comedy, but still, like, it's a pretty big name to be putting in your movie at the time. Honestly, I think School of Rock might be the only Jack Black movie I've seen. Really? <laughs> Nothing else? I don't think so. Uh, all right. You know, you said you saw Tropic Thunder. He was in that. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. It proves to me that you don't think you actually saw it. Listen, I've seen it. <laughs> all, right. all right. Anyway. That's another conversation. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was most of Jack Black. I thought the premise was great. I mean, I was already, by 18, a huge movie nerd getting ready to go to college and, you know, mm-hmm. I was already making movies with my friends with video cameras and shit like that. So it just spoke right to me. It was just like, it looked like a little love letter to like independent film and like being creative with the camera, which 
Yeah. Is harder and harder to do these days. Like, not not harder and harder to do, but like, when Michel Gondry was younger, I'm sure it was a lot more during the independent revolution where you could just go out there with a camera and like, kind of like get real creative and make something awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask if he like, I don't know if you looked into the kind of music videos he makes, but like, do they all have like an indie kind of style to them? Like, I wonder if that's his thing, because I know... <laughs> No, I don't, I can't, honestly, I should have looked it up. I didn't look up any particular ones that he's made, but I know he's known for doing really radical stuff visually, mm-hmm. which is why Eternal Sunshine, when we watched that, was so striking, like, the way he portrayed the dreams, like, yeah. how things were bigger than other things, forced perspective, like, you know, he does a lot of in-camera camera tricks, which yeah. is basically not using CGI or, like, post-effects, like, kind of doing the effect live, mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings, where they literally made the Hobbits stay cl- you know, farther away from the camera so they looked smaller. Yeah. As opposed to, like, shrinking them in post. Um, so he's kind of known for that. So that's kind of where all the Swedish things have these really uh, unique effects in them. You know, so even though they're low budget, that's like, they're very creative the way that they, they remake these movie scenes. Um, so just to finish your question off, though. So, yes, loved the concept, loved the cast. And then, like I said, the director... I was already a huge fan of Eternal Sunshine, and actually the movie he made right after that was Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Oh. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's one of my favorite concert movies ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's an amazing concert movie. Um, And uh, it's basically Dave Chappelle, after he left Chappelle's show, decided to throw a block party in his old neighborhood. A giant party with huge musical acts, and just like the whole neighborhood gets to go for free. Mm -hmm. And just like really kind of like... I don't know, kind of just celebrate together. And so Michelle Gondry was the filmmaker who got to, you know, document it, make it, turn it into a documentary. Um, and he's actually stated, so it was not only his love of filmmaking, but it was also making that movie are the two things that inspired him in Be Kind Rewind. Because when he saw, like, the way that whole community came together and, like, made music and danced oh. and celebrated, he kind of wanted to make a movie that captured that feel. And obviously it's a completely different story, but like, yeah, he really loved the idea of like a block coming together to like support each other. I hate when people come together and make me cry. <laughs> I was so mad. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> he really, I mean, from what you've described, it, it, I could definitely tell he brought that inspiration to this because like the spirit of bringing people together just was very very pure and honest and true and it just made me very it it warmed my heart yeah (laughs) and so yeah so i remember i watched it when it came out i will say if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. my 18 year old self did enjoy it, but I didn't immediately fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of media at that age, I was a little more, like, cynical in terms of watching stuff that, like, was a little bit overly sentimental. Or, you know, just kind of 18-year-old. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, a man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's very stupid shit. But, like, you know, I just wanted to watch, like, like stuff that was, like, hardcore, you know? like What is this, like? I'm watching, like, dark Martin Scorsese and Kubrick movies, and I'm just like, yeah, everything's cynical and, and dark, and, you know, like, so... Uh, so I remember just feeling like the ending was just a little kind of like, okay, whatever, like, let's move on. Mm-hmm. But then, like, a couple of years went by, and I watched it again, and, like, before I knew it, it's been 12 years, and I've just, I watch it a bunch. Every time I watch it, I have a great time. I think, I just think it's, like, it's, 
it's such a good exercise of how filmmaking can be fun and mm-hmm. communal. And it doesn't, even though it's not a complicated story, it really like just hits what it's trying to do, in my opinion. Mm. What were your initial thoughts in terms of when I mentioned that this was a movie I'd loved from the time then to the time when you watched it? So did you know what this movie was? Had you ever heard about it? Did you know the plot? Yeah. What did you think, what was in your brain when the words Be Kind Rewind came out before we watched this movie last night? So, <laughs> Be Kind Rewind, in my head, I thought it was about, and I was right about this, that it takes place in a video store. Yeah. And I thought they were going to be like Jack Black and Most Def, these goofy guys who work at a video store. But sort of in the sense of, remember Jersey Girl, the girl who works at the video store? Yes. Like, I thought the whole movie would take place in the video store, but it would be like kind of like that generic, like, these goofballs always uh, making like mistakes. Like a slacker comedy yeah, type, type jam. Like a dude wears my car but in a <laughs> video store. That's what I was envisioning. And so that's what, that's what you envisioned that I loved. That's something. Well, I thought it would be like clever jokes. Ah, uh, okay. But like that kind of thing happening. Yeah. No and then. 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 I don't really know most deaf. Yes, you could take away my black card. It's fine. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, that was really just my general thoughts on what the movie was going to be. I thought it was going to be a straight-on comedy. Before I brought it up, had you heard about it? Like, did you know there was a movie called Be Kind of Rewind? I did, but I don't think I really put much thought to it ever. Because I, I think the phrase Be Kind Rewind was... We're all familiar with it if we've rented from Blockbuster yeah. or whatever. So it didn't really, like, hit me in any sort of way. But I knew that movie existed. All right, nice, nice. I also assumed that it was going to be like wild and crazy because Jack Black's in it. So it's like, oh man, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he he hits all of his Jack Black classics from playing air guitar to doing karate kicks. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's got it's got a little heart hidden underneath all that silliness. Yeah. So those were my initial thoughts. Nice. So then we watched it. (laughs) Uh, You went. You went. So then we watched. (laughs) So yeah, you went through a you went through a roller coaster of. Of emotions. This it started out so slow. I was like, when is like the plot gonna come in? Because it kind of started in a sense where like you're getting to know each character, but it happened like it happens really slowly. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't expecting the pace to be that slow in the beginning. I could see that if you had no idea what it was about to feel like the beginning was like, where are we going? Yeah. Once I showed you the trailer afterwards, you saw what I saw, so I went into this knowing 80% of the movie. Like, yeah. they basically don't spoil the exact ending, but they show you everything up until the beginning of the third act mm-hmm. in the trailer. So I was just, like, kind of waiting for... to Like, all right, so we're going to... The tapes are going to get erased and, and this and that. But um, it looked like you were trying to, trying to figure the movie out early, and then also once it got a little science fiction-y, you were really like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, you know... So Jack Black's character, what's his name? Johnny? Jerry. Jerry. Keep Jerry out. Keep Jerry out. <laughs> he's a little, like, wacky. Oh, yeah. He's totally wacky. He kind of hit me as, like, the town, like, weirdo. But, mm-hmm. like, everyone accepts him. They're in, like, Jersey, right? Yeah. It's a small town in Jersey. Passaic, New Jersey. Yeah. So, you know, he goes to a power plant because he's convinced that, like, they're, like, brainwashing the community or whatever. And he tries to bring most deaf with him. Um, most deaf thank god says no but like he gets electrocuted at this plant so like 
he becomes more wacky than he was before and i was just like oh man like what is happening <laughs> um are we going to go like in the future the past like i i had no idea again i went in blind kind of like the gift it yeah, was yeah. just yeah that's discovering yeah. as it that's as i was so curious just to see like does she have any idea like once it goes into the ghostbusters sweeting like to, you know if you had any idea if, at all that it was going to be about something like that no um that's really funny um so right off the bat i just love how like weird the movie is like in every single aspect down to the premise because i tried to look into it and it doesn't i would have thought that maybe like this was a script that michelle gondry wrote in like the 90s and then like just kind of sat on it until he he was in a position to make a movie but from all accounts it seemed like he was just kind of working on it a few years beforehand because it just seems like it's it came out too late in the cycle of physical media mm-hmm. where you know it's about like an old vhs store that's you know hasn't even converted to dvds yet so it's like struggling in the business economy because it's still like serving this vhs market but this came out in 2008 <laughs> and like i don't know i looked it up and like blockbuster itself closed in 2010 Damn. so we were two years away from physical renting of stuff going away streaming was right around the corner mm-hmm. so like dvds the, the first dvd player came out in 1996 nobody was using it in 1996 but i would say i remember when the playstation 2 came out that was the first video game system to include a dvd player in it and that was 2000 and now it's when i, I was when i got my first dvd player and so many people did because they were hundreds and hundreds of dollars so for the same price, you got a PlayStation DVD player together. Yeah. So if we're talking DVDs, were pretty common in 2000, 2001. I still remember, actually, my last VHS was Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And that was 2002. That was yeah, late. Yeah, VHS. Yeah, VHS. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. in my We adopted DVDs as early as 2002. So by 2008, the idea that this video store was hanging out with its VHS rentals in the whole community, like, that's already, like... Yeah. Out of time. Doomed to fail. Yeah, yeah. Of. So I just found it really interesting that, like, it's about moving the trend over to DVD when Blu-rays came out in 2006. Like, so DVDs were already, like, yeah. you know, like... And it wasn't even that, too. I feel like there was some sort of, like, small commentary. Maybe not. But, like, on the types of movies that are made today, too. Yeah. Like, you know, in a point, they're talking about, like, action or drama. Like, people get used to the formula. It was action or comedy. Yeah, comedy, yeah. 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 Um... It, it sounded like he was trying to say, like, you know, there's just, like, a formula to these movies. We're not surprised anymore. Like, nobody's making anything new. And that's why, you know. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. And also, uh, Alma has that one line about how 20 minutes are perfect because that's the amount of attention span people have. Mm-hmm. And to say that in 2008, pre-smartphones. Oh, my God. Not pre-social media. But, but, like, yeah, pre-queeby, pre-TikToks, pre- Snapchat. You know, yeah, eating everything in five-second bites, like. I feel like that was pretty ahead of its time. When she said that line, I was like, that's pretty dope. Ooh. That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just, it's so weird and I love it. I love it. <laughs> <I just love, laughs> um, again, though, you know, you know me. I love to know everything about everyone. So I was like, I, I constantly craved more backstory on these characters. Like, sorry, Johnny, Jack, Jerry, Jerry, oh, Jerry, 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 Jerry. I was... Keep Jerry out. Keep jerry out (laughs) yeah yeah thank you i'm i was constantly like wanting to know like how'd he get in the trailer park like what's his deal most deaf how long has he lived with danny glover and why like what i I just had so many questions yeah i yes um 
I fucking love that there's no answers. Because I actually was thinking about it today, and there's... You get no backstory on anybody, mm-hmm. and everybody has a somewhat a seemingly interesting story to tell. Mm. And I kind of like it because it's a real big celebration of that town and that block, the movie itself. Yeah. Where it's almost like it doesn't lose focus of that. And, like, a community is built up of all these characters, and the movie's not about any one of them specifically, so we're not going to dive in. Mm. I just kind of like that it just, like, paints a picture with these interesting characters... Almost like a little book, you know what I mean? Like, every time they meet someone, they're just like, who is this guy? Because yeah. I I wanted to know, what was Jerry's backstory? Why was he in the trailer park? And how long were him and Mike friends? Mm-hmm. With Mike and Mr. Fletcher, I mean, it seems like he raised them, but he's not his dad. Because yeah. he talks about how he told them bedtime stories about Fats Waller. But that other character said, like, you know, he's not your dad or he's never gonna, he's never been your dad or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. Um... Mia Farrow and her house of her nephews and all her and all his like gangster ki- friends like you know what I mean like what's that story yeah um the west coast video owner you know like I was curious about what his story was we'll get into that in the spoiler section yeah but um I just love that every time you met one of these characters they give you enough to go off where I was just like man I want to spend 20 minutes learning who they are yeah and like live in this world but it's just like no that's not the story we're telling I appreciated that I thought You're it right. was. I thought it was a uh, like a bold move to do. I guess there's some sense to that. Um, do you want to know something funny? I thought was eventually going to happen. Yeah. Um, because there's this famous jazz musician that comes up constantly. Fats Waller. Fats Waller. It's kind of like the backbone of the movie. Like, yeah. Basically, the the thing is the video store that they work in. The owner, Mister Fletcher, has always told the story that Fats Waller was born in that town in his building. Way back, Fatswaller has been dead for many years. He's a famous jazz musician. And kind of that, like, story is what infatuates Mos Def's character, Jerry, or Mike, with the town. Like, it's it's kind of like, it's like what roots him to the town and why he loves it and has so much pride. Yeah. Because his favorite musician was born in the building that he was lives in. Oh, so maybe it's like just like Hollywood movie formulas. But I thought at some point we were going to learn that Mike was a descendant of oh wow wow this jazz musician no i just i don't know i love it like for such a movie with a weird premise that once you get over a lot of it is kind of grounded like it's yeah. kind of like i'm not gonna say it's realistic but like it's... it doesn't hit a lot of hollywood tropes like mm-hmm. they don't really go like the love story angle they don't really go like the everyone gets what they yeah yeah you know it's like i think it just kind of like it, it goes so silly in the beginning and then really just kind of yeah. Realistic. That's why I was like, was there a script for this movie? Because it just se- felt so realistic that I couldn't I couldn't see this being like a written script. Yeah. For some reason. Like the beginning, yes, but like as they kept going, mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, this is very it just feels like real people we're we're actually witnessing a community going through something rather yeah. and it it just didn't feel like a movie and i feel like that's some of the criticisms because this movie is not like beloved like it kind of like came and went didn't make a lot of money um and it has like a decent ratings out there like critics seem to like it but a lot of movies that are about movie making critics tend to love because it's like their thing so but a lot of people just thought it was like eh, okay it's fine forgettable i have a question for you yes do you think that it's harder to shoot a movie or harder to shoot a movie about making a movie hard to say because when you say a movie like that could be a superhero movie or that could be a movie about two guys drinking coffee you know? yeah but, but you know what i mean i know what you mean but i often do think how funny it is about movies about making movies not so much this one but like 
when you watch something about a full-length Hollywood production like uh, The Disaster Artist, where they have to like build a set, then have a, a bunch of actors playing crew members with lights, cameras, everything you need to film a movie, and then behind that, the real set is there. The real lights, the real cameras, the real crew. <laughs> and I just always wanted to be on one of those productions just to see how, like, how fucking surreal that's got to be. <laughs> Of, like, the sound guy is holding the boom over the fake sound guy who's holding <laughs> a fake boom over, you know, like, oh, over man. the actors. That must be crazy. But this, I mean, this movie's crazy because, A, the timelines are completely ridiculous. Like, when they make the first Ghostbusters in, like, two hours, yeah. I'm like, dude, it would take a half hour to drive the places you're going and, like, the ma- the painting. Yeah. So you gotta throw all that out the window. You gotta, like, not I really... was like, is he gonna edit these? Because... <laughs> the, the idea is that they shoot them live and they're editing it in camera. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, that's why when he's like, we don't have another take, like, they just, just like, they try it and then they move on. Mm-hmm. But still, like, even though the effects are not elaborate, they're still, like, by normal people's standards, they're still, like, hours of work of, like, building these suits yeah. and, like, the strings and the cardboard. Like, you gotta kind of throw that out the window for the timeline. I accepted that. Yeah, yeah. I totally accepted it too. So yeah, I imagine shooting these things was not easy. Like there was some genuinely really creative stuff in there when they made the movies. Mm-hmm. I'm down to jump right into the spoiler section from here because this movie isn't one that is too hung up on spoilers. You know, like I, I, it's not it's not quite like the gift where everything changes when you learn the ending. This one's more like there's no huge twist. Yes. So just to go on the spoiler section, so. The kind of crutch of the movie is they can no longer make their sweeted remakes because the Hollywood system finds out about what they're doing and threaten, tells them they're, oh, exorbitant fine, they're all going to get arrested unless they stop immediately. And so in order to try and save that last bit of money to raise, uh, so the shop doesn't get closed down, they decide to make a movie in the community about Fats Waller after we learn that Mike has been, or Mr. Fletcher has been lying this whole time to Mike and Fats Waller wasn't actually born in his building. It was just kind of a story he told. To, to kind comfort of, Mike. To comfort Mike as a child. And then as he got older, he never came to him with the truth. But I think that teaches Mike kind of how powerful storytelling is. Because mm. their little stories that they've been telling with their sweetiness has gotten the whole community excited. They come on board. Everyone helps out with the movies. And then so I think he was just like, let's tell that story anyway even though Fats Waller wasn't born there let's make our version of his life starring the whole community the whole community comes together to make one final film to kind of raise enough money and while the whole town does show up to watch it it doesn't scratch the surface of what they owe they end up still having to close the shop but they have one final moment where everyone came together to enjoy the work they made including the people who are trying to like knock the place down yeah <laughs> like, i mean you know they're, just, they're construction workers just doing construction like, no but not... the guy who actually wanted to build that new those new buildings like they called him down yeah that's true and he ended up clapping i and... mean it was a good movie yeah it was a good movie bittersweet yeah first it it shows how film can bring people together especially when you have people a part of a film, it just shows the kind of communities that come out of like making something. Yeah. Um, and I think that transcends filmmaking, just like any sort of art or like any collaboration. Um, that was very sweet. And, and, I, and it celebrates it on the small level where everyone gets to contribute. In ter- it's, you know, it's not really celebrating the big blockbusters where it's a much more of a, like much more of like a system. You know, it's, it's really... To me, it was just like a love letter to kids with camcorders making movies. Yeah. And then they just transcended it to all ages by having the whole community come together, which I loved it. I love that. And I also think that every community should have their own film. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want our little community to have ours. It just seemed like everyone in the neighborhood knew each other. 
And like everyone was like, where's Mr. Fletcher? Where's, you know, I, I never grew up in a neighborhood like this, but I always loved the idea of being part of a neighborhood where like, everybody knows your name. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, like, you know, like the librarian who knows like, you know, like yeah. you'd be like, oh, that's uh, that's Mrs. Carmichael, you know, she runs the pharmacy. Like, yeah. There's one pharmacy and one person who runs it. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your so I really love that. That really touched my heart. Yeah, I think the ending just works. Like, the biggest criticisms is that, like, there's conflict in the movie, but none of it ever really gets resolved. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, that nobody really wins in the end. It's, it's all just kind of like an excuse to have a lot of fun scenes, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, which I love, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. and I think it totally works. And, like, that final moment when they go outside and you see the whole community has been watching from the projector, mm -hmm. it just, oh, it gets me every single time. Like, I haven't seen this movie or not cried at the end, like... Yeah. Since I was a teenager. Um, so even though the story is extremely simple, I love how Michelle Gondry just still found a million ways to put his visual flair on the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it, this very easily could have been a very by-the-numbers filming job. Like, he could have focused on the sweeting and then just kind of, like, prop the camera up, film these two guys talking. You know, there's not a lot of locations, but some of the things that I just fucking loved was when they're first breaking into the power plant. And they do the weird camouflage thing oh, yeah. where most defs have to, there's a keep out sign and half his back is painted keep out. So when he's like laying over it. <laughs> that it was awesome. Yeah, that was hilarious. Made no sense because yeah. it only protected him in that exact moment. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering because, you know, Jack Black's face is sort of painted black, but there are lines on his face. And it wasn't until that scene that you realized it aligned perfectly with the fence. <laughs> yeah. So the dark parts are like the dark shadows. <laughs> so the fence could bleed into his face. I was like, what the hell is going on? But what uh... I love about both those disguises is they only disguise you for that exact moment you're in yeah. that position. Like if Mos Def took two steps and the cops came, he it would have all been misaligned. He would have been fucked. Yeah. Anyway, that was awesome. I loved how right after Jack Black gets magnetized, how like the actual film we're watching actually seems to be affected by his magnetism. Like our image starts going like warping oh, in yes. and out. You know. Yeah. I thought that was pretty pretty awesome because it was almost like the magnetism was so strong, like our copy was getting fucked up by him. Yeah. Um, I thought that was hysterical. And then just the little things like when he was trying to read to keep Jerry out, but it was backwards, mm -hmm. and what he kept saying like peak. Peak Yerge Tao, and he's like, Peak Yerge Tao, and then all of a sudden, there's music in the background was singing yeah. those lyrics. It was like, Peak Yerge Tao. <laughs> oh, that was great. First of all, because if he was a literate, smart guy, he wouldn't be able to write a uh, Peak, Peak Yerge Tao, which is, is, it's probably Buddhist or something. It's like a, like a chant. Peak Yerge Tao. Smart guy. There's just so much little, like, fun, fun little things like that. And then, you know, when we see the montage of the sweeting, how it looks like one unbroken shot the whole time. It's digitally cut together, but it's still, like, I just thought that was awesome. Yeah. So, in a, in a movie that's, in my opinion, a pretty simple story to tell, mm -hmm. is really pumped up visually by having this music video director behind it. Yeah. Let's talk about Mos Def for a second. And I know you said you haven't seen any other movies with him in it, but what I love about Mos Def is that he's never that worried about being the cool rapper mm -hmm. character like a lot of rappers not all of them that turn actors like try to keep their persona a little bit you know like they they're not gonna like be silly or humiliate themselves like they want to be like a tough guy in the movies like 50 cent and all that yeah um so i love that most def almost always plays against type like he's always like a weird nerdy like nebbish kind of 
not always, but if the movie calls for it, I'm thinking Hitch, um, Hitchhiker's, yeah, Hitchhiker's a little bit too. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, is he actually acting or is this like his natural state? No, he's acting. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Because um, in, in like, um, what's it called? The Italian job and like 16 blocks, he's a little bit more of like traditional, like not a gangster, but like just kind of like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hitchhiker's got he plays an alien, so he's already weird. But uh, yeah, I just love because... I was telling you how I'm reading that book, Taking Shape, the the history of the Halloween movies. And I'm up to Halloween Resurrection, the one that has Busta Rhymes in it. And that one's always sucked. <laughs> and the book was saying that his character, Freddy, had such a small role in the script and totally decided to cast Busta Rhymes in the lead role. And because it was 2002 and he's at the height of his popularity, they expanded the part hugely. They consulted him on what they wanted his character to do and they let him rewrite all his dialogue. And all of a sudden, this character of Freddy just turned from like this normal guy to like this cool, wise talking, says mm-hmm. motherfucker every three scenes, like like tough, badass guy because he wanted to be like cool on camera. And it was whack. It was so awful. He even fights Michael Myers in the end and wins. Nobody mm. ever wins in a hand to hand fight against Michael Myers in any movie. At that point, the producers are like, was it worth it? We've had 11, of, yeah, we've had 11 of these motherfuckers, and Buster Rhymes, who knows Kung Fu, beats him with Kung Fu. Trick or treat. Motherfucker. Sucked ass. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're getting the opposite of that here. Mos Def is just completely playing along. He knows the type of character Mike is, and he's not letting the fact that, like, I'm this cool rapper go into my persona. He treats it like an actor would treat it. You should watch something The Lord made if you want to see some good Mos Def. It's him and Alan Rickman uh-huh. in an HBO movie. I love Alan Rickman. Oh, my God. It's about <laughs> Alan Rickman is the guy who performed the first ever open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And Mos Def was his assistant who got no credit because he was black until like 50 oh. years later. Oh, I don't know if I could watch that. Yeah, it's a rough one. Why would you suggest that? Because it's fantastic. Oh, my God. Like you get God. to see how good Mos Def You know is. I can't handle those kinds of emotions. <laughs> I cried at the end of this movie a lot. <laughs> I couldn't stop the tears. They came so fast. You were so mad. A movie with Jack Black, like your guard is way down <laughs> yeah, in terms yeah. of like, I'm not going to cry in a Jack Black It's like, Black oh, he's probably going to fart in the climax and slip on his own puke and then, uh, you know, do a cartwheel and then we're out of here. <laughs> Another confession. When it said Danny Glover, I don't know why, but I thought of like... Uh, Donald Glover? Yeah. Wow. So I thought he was in the movie wow. too. And then uh, Danny Glover comes in the frame and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no respect. I'm too old for this shit. You're not going to get a 2008 Donald Glover. Nobody knew who the fuck he was. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't was like YouTube an indie famous. film, so. Eh, with Jack Black and... <laughs> I guess. And Mia Farrow and, and Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> oh my god, I've never hated Sigourney Weaver in a movie before oh, until this movie. She only movie. has one scene too and you hate her. So I hate her. She comes in and she's the one who like confiscates all of their sweeties. Sweeties? Swedes. Swedes. They're, they're movies. <laughs> all of their movies and they crush them with a truck. That was unnecessary. That just seemed like such a waste of funds. I'm like, just give a guy a hammer in one hour. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you pay him an hourly wage, just sit on the sidewalk, hit him with a hammer. What a hard lesson to learn from Mike, Dof- most deaf's character. Like, have backups for your films. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> It's That's just a lot a, of work. It's, it's just we're in such a digital world that like none of that made any sense to me. Like I know I lived through that time, but I was just like, man, tapes? That, that's like your business are these physical tapes. Like yeah. they're not like 
this other thing that like you could just make a copy of like yeah that's nuts i miss blockbuster yeah those are good times um we had uh we had video galaxy near us oh. and that's where i always went as like a little kid and oh, i love video galaxy <laughs> like we would just you know you'd go there it wasn't huge but it had a little bit of video games and had a bunch of vhs's and uh most of the time when i was a kid we, we rented movies. It was a mix between renting movies and renting video games. Because renting video games just... They were so much more expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it was like you'd rent it and you'd have it for the whole weekend. As opposed to like watch it once and then yeah. you're done. Yeah. So my mom liked those because it kept me quiet. <laughs> um, but I love Video Galaxy. They had this cardboard cutout. Life, like six foot size cardboard cutout of Michael Myers. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was probably when Halloween 6 was coming out. Because it was probably around 1995. And I was five, six years old, and I just remember always being too scared to walk to the last back half of the video. Like, my mom would be in the front half, like, waiting oh for me. God. And it was, like, video games, and then right past that was, like, the last section where I guess the horror movies were. And they had the Michael Myers, and I was just like, nope, not going <laughs> anywhere near that. Look at you now. You um, were obsessed with Michael Myers. So, yeah, I have a lot of video galaxy memories. That would be the spot where I'd always bump into someone from school. Like, did you always, like, see people from school? Not really. And honestly, though, we're talking, like, I was, like, pretty young. Like, I think we stopped going once I was, like, seven or eight. Because I do, I always, obviously it's not just us, but like they did open a blockbuster. We didn't have a blockbuster in our town and they opened one up and we started going there. Uh-huh. And then within a few years, Video Galaxy just went out of business. Yeah. And I still, even as a kid, I still remember thinking like, man, were we part of that? Like, yeah. Like, should we you have betrayed been them? I should have. Oh, blockbuster all the dope release. <laughs> Give the gift of entertainment. So yeah, I, I totally understood the whole West Coast video versus uh, Be Kind Rewind in this movie. Yeah. The small video store versus the big video store. I also love the minor shade that uh, the writer threw into this. Like when uh, Danny Glover was in the video store and he was like, do you have so-and-so movie? And they were like, huh? And he was like, no knowledge of films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just hating on the workers at these like yeah, like huge... blockbuster stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was like any monkey could do this job. Like... <laughs> oh, man. I enjoyed that joke. I also liked in the movie it wasn't like full blown like they're the bad guy video store we're the good guy video store that's kind of what I meant when I said it's like it's a pretty realistic movie in that sense where mm-hmm. it's not just like you know a lot of these other movies would be like West Coast Video is putting us out of business because they don't love movies the way we love movies let's you know prove to the community you know yeah and it wasn't really like that it was kind of just like everybody was in it together and it was cool yeah all in all I mean the heart like the love and just like the fun of the movie for me personally overdoes any of the flaws that are there. Like I see that there's flaws there. You know, like I said, yeah, Mand- you said Amanda's in the beginning. It very much does. Plot's not the strongest. And obviously personally, I don't even think all the jokes are that hilarious, but like I said, all that pales in comparison to like what it has going for it. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the strengths outweigh any cons in my opinion. It makes me love this movie. By the way, one point that I forgot to mention earlier is I didn't, Watching the end of the movie, that's when you realize that you were seeing sort of the end of the movie at the beginning of the movie. Because yes. you see, um, you know, clips of Their the film movie. that they would have, that they will will eventually make. Yes, I like it. Uh, I, I think that sets the stage too because they're confusing enough where you don't know what the hell you're really watching yeah. at first. Like you just think it's about that musician in the town yeah. and it's a weird way to present it. Um, One little fun thing I learned about it was... uh. 
so another way to like keep costs down but also keep the vibe of the movie going was a lot of the smaller roles were played by people who actually lived in the town so a lot of people in the movie weren't even actors they were that makes sense resonant. to me. So the, the last shot of everybody cheering together and watching was actually footage of them watching the final cut of this movie. So oh. it was actually the actors who aren't actors coming together to watch a giant production, this Hollywood movie that they were in together. I'm going to cry again. And that was the scene. So I, I love that. It's like, that's how we caught such a genuine reaction of all those people. Like, so excited to be standing out there and watching. That's beautiful. Um, it was fantastic. Deep dive into best worst. I'm going to go first because I picked an obvious one that you probably picked also. Oh, damn. What do you think the best and the worst Swedish uh, movie in the movie is? Come on, everybody would have picked that one. That's a, that's a classic. Nah. <laughs> that's uh, a, I said that's a classic. That's a classic <laughs> best worst out of V-Kinder 1 by Michelle. The best worst Swede, by right? By Michelle Gondry. Um, best worst Swede, yeah. And you can. I also think you should explain why because... In my opinion, there weren't any, like, really terrible ones. Yeah. But, like, there were reasons why I picked my worst and why I picked my best. Okay. Man, I didn't even think about my worst, Swede. I was just thinking positive. Yeah. It's not called best. (laughs) All right. So, this might not necessarily be the best, Swede, but remember that scene where they had to shoot at night? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, they put (laughs) the negative on the camera? Yeah, they put the (laughs) negative on the camera, but they they do a car scene. So they take photocopies of their face and tape it onto their face so you see their faces when they're driving at night. I really enjoyed that. Nice. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. That is tremendous. Yeah. Ghostbusters is an easy one to pick because they do so many scenes from it. Yeah. Like, you have your gamut. I love the old school teleporting where the thing runs up to the wall, they hit stop, they record the wall, oh, they yeah? go to the other side of the wall, record the wall, and then it's like, teleport. Like, that's like every kid's first. That's like, like I drew a genie in the 60s. Like, yeah. You know? That was pretty good. <laughs> All right. So my best was the Men in Black one, mainly because I just thought that special effect was so creative. Mm. The way that they had the wheel of Hot Wheels cars, and then they flipped the camera upside down, and then they were in the fake car. Yeah. And I just like... And I like that one, too, because it took me a minute to get it. And then once it comes up, I was like, oh, perfect. Like, that one's great. And then my runner-up was 2001 A Space Odyssey, because Mo's Def running in the ball was also pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I've i seen that imagery before. I've never seen Space Odyssey. Yeah. I, it's if, Even if you haven't seen it, there's very famous, like, images, in, like you just said, from it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you've probably seen some of that stuff. That's cool. All right. So, my worst Swede, I kind of have two-ish, and they're both for different reasons. Okay. One was The Lion King, just because it seems like the one that's going to be the most boring to watch. Yeah. Because it's like, they had to do it all with paper and crayons and shit. Like, you know, it didn't... It just turns if I had to watch that for 20 minutes, I would get bored real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one I picked was Carrie, and only because out of what we see there, while that is the most iconic scene in the movie, the scene after that is her murdering all of her classmates with telekinetic powers. Yeah. And I would have loved to see them try to do a prom scene... Where everyone's getting murdered with magic. Uh, with their sweeting special effects. <laughs> like, the only reason it's my worst is because I want to see more. Yeah. So it's not that it's the worst. It's just, like, the scene they did. Like, like I could dump pig's blood on somebody. Like, I wanted to see their crazy sweeting effects tackle the hard parts of that movie. True. I, I just... It just made me realize how many movies I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that, too. <laughs> when I picked this for you, too, I was like, she's going to like a lot of this, but a lot of these movie references are going to go oh right over God, her head. Oh, right over the head. <laughs> like, would you know Men in Black? 
Men in Black. I feel like they did Grease. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ghostbusters, I did see. Yeah. But I mean, they like you said, they spent yeah. so much time on it. You're aware of Boys in the Hood? Yeah. You've um, never seen it? But... Yeah. I can't even... Yeah. Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> Well, clearly you didn't even do your homework. You're just like, Listen. you were like, best. All right. The world is nice. I'm going to have a nice time with my best. Listen, but I do agree because when, when, you know, they came into the store and they're like, Lion King, all right, we got to do this. Um, I was like, how are they going to do an animated? And then I would have liked them to do another animated. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, that's my, my worst is probably Lion King, but the mm-hmm. carry thing just really made me want to see more. Yeah. Um, do, you have just an, catch do you have any other best worsts? There weren't that many of them, but like best worst uh, request, like from the customers. Because did we end up, I feel like we didn't end up seeing every single request. Oh, like request for a Sweden movie? Yeah, like what would you have requested? I guess it's a two-tiered question. What was the best request you think from like the customers of the store? And then what would you have requested oh, them man. to do? Oh man, I almost have to re-see that scene <laughs> to remember it. Do you have yours? I'll think while you go. I thought Rush Hour was a pretty great request. I also... But that oh, was that one of the ones been... they did. Yeah. But like, I'm just saying like to request it in the store. Yeah. It's a pretty good one to request. I feel like that's almost the okay, same. Okay, so yeah, sweet. yeah, it is. So, what would you have requested if you were that's, in the store? Yeah. Oh, right away, Karate Kid. Look at it, Dad. I would have loved to see that's good. Jack Black could have been Miyagi, and Mos Def could have been Danielson. Yeah. And then they could have someone else. I don't know. Someone could have been Johnny. Yeah. Like some karate kicks and oh yeah, would have been fantastic. All life have a balance. Everything be better. What about you? I would have requested a musical. Just one. Like, yeah. I would have just loved to see one little clip of a musical in that little montage. That would have been great. Anything yeah. in particular? Um, I mean, it could have just been anything. Maybe Phantom of the Opera, because it's so, like, <laughs> the funny. Phantom of the Opera. I feel like Grease would have been easy in terms of visually selling us what it is. Yeah, because I saw, so, like, one of those cars from that time period. Yeah. That's why I thought I saw Grease. Like, if Alma played, uh, what's her name? The blonde? Sandy. Sandy, and then uh, one of them could play John yeah. Travolta. He could just, like, you know, grease the hair yeah. with the comb. All right. My, uh, my last best worst is your best worst uh, person in the town, like member of the community. I'm, I'm kind of going straight for the evil guys here. Is that... <laughs> oh, I didn't really count them as part oh, of okay. the community. All I right, meant right. Like, like someone you see. That's oh. why I wanted it to be a little harder because they're all pretty I good. I see, I see. Ooh, best worst in the community? Yeah. <sighs> all right, so I'm going to go with my first, my best. Yeah. So I thought the best person in town, uh, don't remember his name, but the owner of the West Coast video store. Um... I liked it because he was an easy villain in the beginning where he made fun of Mike is for coming into the place and then we get that nice little tidbit of like him sleeping in the store with no other info so I have no idea is he broke is he in a bad marriage yeah he's clearly in a bad place in his life and then when he catches Mike and Jerry doing something awful which is vandalizing his store and trying to steal his property yeah instead of being coming vindictive and going against them he realized that they need help just like he needs help and he's in a position to help them so he actually goes out of his way Mm-hmm. without even asking questions and brings them the thing they needed and i just thought that was like one of the biggest most selfless acts in the movie where like he truly had nothing to gain out of that yeah other than recognizing that someone else was hurting the way he was hurting that is so true and i wonder if that him sleeping in the store was a foreshadowing of the business <laughs> yeah yeah i kind of think that too where like yeah his thing wasn't going like, like even yeah. though he looked like he was doing so much better than mr fletcher that's true. So maybe the filmmakers, did the, maybe Michelle Gondry did see the end of rental videos coming out and he was just like, 
that's how far in the past Danny Glover is. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a full step behind. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's a good best. Yeah. I like that. That's way better than my best. Who's your best? <laughs> I was like, oh, what's the lady's name? The blonde hair lady? Lady. Oh, Mrs. Uh... She was Mr. Fletcher's friend. He calls her every night. Yeah, yeah. The I forget her name, Mrs. Something. But she yeah. has, she's got the the nephew and she takes care of the house full of the... the yeah. Kid. Yeah. I don't know. I just, she came across as really sweet and caring. and I, She definitely was. I just feel like even if Mr. Fletcher's struggling or whatever, and I like that it, they don't have a romantic relationship. Yeah. It was just like a genuine friendship. Um, I just thought that relationship was really sweet and I really liked it. And I want something like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like a nice friend. <laughs> I can, oh my, I'm like, I just want a nice friend I can rely on. Just wow. to all my friends. I don't like. What the hell am I doing here? Oh, <laughs> Why not here for you to You're more than a friend. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, who's your oh. worst? I'm curious about your worst. Oh well, she was justified, but like I didn't like that rude lady who her tape was blank. I thought about her, <laughs> but she was kind of justified. She, she was, was like an asshole. But like, if I went to a place and paid them, and then the entire thing was blank, like, yeah. But he was giving the money back. Like, yeah, he was trying... she was rude for sure. She was a little too rude for, to him. But to be fair, right before that, she was getting like mercilessly hit on by Jack Black in that same store. Hit on? You think that was hitting on? Wait, what? What Jack Black was... He wasn't hitting Wait, on Wait, what her. was he doing again? He was like harassing her. Oh, sorry. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag me too. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing the negging, you know? He read that book about negging. Oh, <laughs> um, I honestly just totally forgot. I thought he was hitting on her. I forgot the whole scene. She was so rude to the point. I mean, yes, Jack Black was being awful to her. But like most Def's character wasn't. And she, that's who she ended up being more, a yeah. lot of a jerk too but she was so rude to the point where i was surprised to see her at the community movie thing <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that is true so anyway um all right she was my worst yeah that was my first choice but then i switched it to uh i thought alma's sister oh because it's not her fault for not wanting to be in the movies and not wanting to leave work that's so justifiable but she clearly hates her fucking sister because her sister's sitting there, like, just bumming around, not working, and she was just like, take this lazy bitch and go. Like, you know, she yeah. was just like, like, she just pawned her sister off on some two complete strangers. Like, okay. They could have been filming porn, you know? She's like, that's what I was saying. She was just like, oh, you want an actress? Fucking this one right here, reading a book, get her out of here. Like, she hasn't worked a day in her life. You need to make out with someone in a scene? My sister. Yeah, like, it just seemed like she was like, I want to just, like, I'll sign her up for anything to get her out of my face because I hate her guts. <laughs> like, you know, like, she's. Yeah, definitely. so I was just like, "Oh, that's the coldest character in the movie." Like, oh yeah, it was. It wasn't even like maybe my sister might want to. Oh my, how do you? It was just like, "Yeah, I'll t- take her." Yeah, kiss absolutely. Her. Get her on camera, start kissing. <laughs> Gross. I had a best or worst prop. Ooh. Question. Oh, question. Like oh, that's my best worst. Okay. <laughs> um, my proposition for best. I kind of want to say the RoboCop gun. Because I thought the use of the fire... That's <laughs> yours. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to let you take that one. No, that's no, not, no, that's no, not what I was, I was going to sing. I wasn't, I'm not picking that one. No. Well, I do think it's probably the coolest and most creative. The funniest and awesomest that I like is the pizza bloodstains. Every time someone gets shot, instead of blood splattering behind them, uh, a pizza shows up. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> like I was like, I that, forgot about that's those. That's a problem. It's in Boys in the Hood when he gets shot in the floor and then they cut the pizza behind him. <laughs> so the pizza, the pizza uh, blood stains are my favorite parts. Ah, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I, I, I yours. No, I really like the RoboCop. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's more of a costume than a prop, I guess. Oh, you're talking about the whole costume, not just the gun? Yeah, I, I liked everything about it. Nice, awesome. <laughs> um, I also liked the piano. Oh, with the fingers? Yeah, yeah. The, the, so the, the fingers were the keys. Yeah. I really liked that. That was pretty awesome, too. That's what I'm saying, like, they came up with some really fucking clever shit. Yeah, even, like, shooting through the fan to make it look like an old film. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Uh-huh. My worst was uh, in the beginning of the montage when they did all the movies in a row and it was when we were kings and they were the giant boxing gloves that were like bigger than their heads. Uh-huh. I didn't care for those. Oh. I didn't. I, I, they did it to make that movie stand out visually. Yeah. But I don't know if the joke of that movie really landed. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know why they, like, I just, you know, it was fine. That yeah. was, I, I just thought, like, I was like, eh, that was my least favorite prop. Um, this is my least favorite because I don't know what it was. Remember when Jack Black had to kiss his mechanic and there was something in the mechanic's mouth? What was that? It was from Rush Hour 2. Uh, it was, uh, the scene when they, uh, they put the bomb in Jackie Chan's mouth and tape it closed so he has a bomb in his mouth. Uh, and then he's fighting the bad guy and she has the detonator but he keeps putting her mouth against his so that way if she blows it up. Both their heads will explode at the same time. I see. So, like, every time she pulls away, he pulls it back in, and that's the scene. I guess I gotta watch Rush Hour again. Rush Hour 2. <laughs> 2. Oh, that's why. <laughs> How the hell you didn't tell me you had a bomb in your mouth? I did! No, you didn't! I said, mmm! What the hell is mmm? Mmm! Boom! Alright, so now we're gonna deep dive into a little area we like to call Beyond the Credits. And here's where we like to theorize what happens to the lives of our characters after the credits roll and see where they are now in our imaginations. Um, so, Masha, where do you think Jerry, Mike, Mr. Fletcher, Alma, and the rest go after the credits? Well, I know I, I said I didn't, I like that they didn't have a romantic relationship. So I do, but I do think that instead of moving to the projects, uh, Mr. Fletcher's friend, the lady with the blonde hair, is like, come live with me. Like, come on, it's fine. So I think he ends up living with her instead of moving there. Oh, and then maybe uh, uh, most Def and Jerry, or Mike and Jerry, get a place together. Mm -hmm. And uh, they continue to make, like, fun movies on their own. Yeah. I, I definitely think Mike continues to make movies. Yeah, I think so, too. Um... Yeah, my, my grand division of the endings is kind of like yours, where it's not that epic, because it yeah. wasn't that epic of a movie, and I didn't really... I don't think they're going to move to Hollywood and become directors or anything like that. No. But yeah, I could see Mike and Jerry trying to get a place together. I don't know with what money, but because uh, he's living in the trailer, and he has seemingly no money at all. Yeah. Um, But I could almost see a weird thing where Mr. Fletcher and the three of them, like, all get an apartment together, the two of them and Mr. Fletcher. Yeah. But... Either way, that's less important. I do think they keep making movies with the community, um, yeah. but they make them their own instead of sweeting ones that exist. Yeah. I also think that since this is, you know, coming on the age of, like, the height of YouTube, that they actually become YouTube famous. That's what I was just thinking, too. <laughs> yeah, so I think they, they, since 2008, yeah, so by, like, they have a couple more years of, like, kind of scrumming it, and then by, like, 2012, they got, they got monetization. Yeah. 
And they're making all these crazy little movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They so start a trend. I think they become YouTube stars. Alma keeps starring in their movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe dates one of them. I don't know. One of them? It has to be Mike. What? Her and Jeremy were in all the movies together. No. Yeah. They had a moment. Yeah. What are you talking about? I felt the chemistry. Felt it was it. so cute. <laughs> He's checking for her mustache. <laughs> also, it was Jerry that brought up the mustache. That's the only reason why Mike knew about it. That's true. It's true. Um, and in terms of whether or not this movie calls for a sequel, I do not think so. I agree. There's only part of me that would love to see a thousand more Sweden movies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if they just filmed, like, a million more and put them on the DVD, I would watch them. Like, you know, another montage. Yeah. But I have no interest in seeing another storyline with these characters. Like, I don't think there's anything left to dig up. I don't think there's any... Like, I couldn't think of another... Another big plot moment that would get me, like, wanting to see where they... What they have to accomplish next. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's nothing about this The Scream sequel other than... I want to watch a thousand movies... That Michelle Gondry directs that Mike Jack, Mike, you know, Jack Black and uh, most deaths get the star in. Yeah. This wouldn't be like a real sequel, but it would have been cool if they could release a movie that like has this, is just like a compilation of the Swedes. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> of the Swedes. What are they called? Swedes. Oh, I said it right. I know, it just makes me laugh. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, one thing we didn't talk about too was how the culture of sweeting that came out of this movie. So even though this movie itself isn't really that popular, it spawned this whole culture of sweeting movies that is still going on prevalently today. Mm-hmm. If you go into YouTube and type in sweeted movies, you're going to get a thousand options of, of different ones that people make to the point where there are film contests. I thought there was one official one, but I found at least three or four different ones that have been going on for a couple of years. Wow. So people have been sweeting since this movie, but the one common factor is they all refer to it as sweeting which is the made-up term from this movie. That's cool. Which really doesn't make any sense, but he just claimed that they were from they were made in Sweden, and that's why they were Sweden. Um, two questions. Yes. Uh, one, do we know if like anybody attached to this film is involved with any of those Swede festivals? Uh, not from what I could tell when I was uh, doing my research. I didn't see anything like that. Uh, what was your other question? Should we make our own? <laughs> probably not, but we probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait to brainstorm on what. But yeah, knowing us, we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to discuss what it's gonna be for like six months before we agree on something. Yeah, probably. You're gonna want me to dress up like a nun and do sister act. Well, I will say, if we ever make our Swede, we will add it as a link at the bottom of this podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll retroactively add it in. Mm-hmm. Alrighty then. So now that we have watched Be Kind Rewind from 2008. You gave us your thoughts, Masha, so my final question for you is, do you love what I love? Well, I will say I was disappointed by being surprised at how emotionally touching this movie is. <laughs> disappointed is a, a hilarious word to use for being moved by a movie. I mean, I... so long story short, yes, I love what you love, but I'm just, I was so touched. It was so unexpected that I was like, God damn it. I what, It's Saturday. <laughs> this is supposed to be a happy day of the week. <laughs> 
But it was it was tears of joy. It yeah, was it a really was a, beautiful movie. It's not like people got murdered on screen and then we have to live in sadness. Like yeah. it was a good reason to And it's funny because like I think halfway through the movie I wasn't like planning on saying I loved what you loved. I was gonna be like, Yeah, it was fine. Because it took a while. Um I think it didn't it didn't come across as it was gonna like have this big ending and it didn't really have a big ending. No. It was just very touching and realistic. I mean, I love, I honestly love that they didn't, if they raised $60,000 that night, I wouldn't have believed it yeah. for a second. Like, I love that, like, Mr. Fletcher knew it was hopeless, but yet he knew the reason why it was still important to do it. Oh, my God. I mean, from the very beginning, dollar rentals. I know, right? A dollar <laughs> I was piece. like, how are they staying open right now? I know. When, when they when they did, made that one $20 rental, and he was like, that's more money than we've ever made in a single day ever. And I'm like, are you paying rent? Are you paying $20 a day? <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I, I did love this movie. I mean, I don't know if I can watch it again. I don't know if I'm emotionally strong enough to go through that. But uh, I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. You hate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you loved it. I mean, that means my mission was successful. So, thank you oh, for love and for love. Let's hope that I'll be successful one day. <laughs> All right, well, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love. <laughs>